Be seated if you're not already. It's good to be in God's house, amen? amen? Let's give God a shout of praise, can we? Nothing else. Nothing else. I don't need nothing else. I don't want nothing else. This time, my name's Jeff, and I am so glad that you're here today. Um, I'm overjoyed at the opportunity to stand before you, open the word, and just share what the Lord has given me, but I'm also overjoyed to have what I consider to be my son, uh, Marty here, all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, uh, who came on this special day, and Marty, stand up and tell us what's going on at your church. Before you, yeah, stand up. Um, don't, don't clap for him. No, no, no. Um, Rob, you're out. Yeah, here's the thing. <clears throat> so Mo was a teenager when we started L-Dubs, kind of, right? Like, you might have been 20-something, because you're old now. 20, yeah. So, <clears throat> so we started L-Dubs in the basement, and him and his beautiful wife, Jen, uh, were with us, part of one of the families that helped us start, and we started to have teenagers show up, and so Marty's like, ah. I want to lead the teens, and he did, and did an absolute amazing job with it, and most of those are still in church serving Jesus, amen. That's success. That's how we gauge success, amen. And then when Bubby moved uh, up north and was the worship pastor at Christian Life Center, Marty stepped in and led worship for how long? Yeah. And then, and then he lost his way in the faith, and moved away. Nah, he, that's a hard decision for you. And he moved to Nashville and in the music industry, and while he was there, um, founded a, another incredible church, just absolutely blowing up, and you're like some pastor in that. I, never, I always forget your title, so tell us that. And tell us what's happening at your church. I love you, bum. I'm glad you're here, man. He's in town. We lost a dear friend. And we've been praying for the family, man. Let him know we'll continue that. He was a good man. Take your Bibles out, if you would, please, and find the book of 2 Corinthians. When you find 2 Corinthians, find chapter 11, and then put something right there and go to 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4, we are going to continue talking about the church. The church. The big church, but also the local church. Local church... Um, Somewhere along the way, um, decided we'd be trendy instead of relevant. And what we're trying to do is refocus our mission and why the local church exists and why Jesus cares about the local church. And this week, someone was talking to me about they didn't understand why we were talking about the local church because back in the Bible days, 
They just met in people's homes. and Well, that's because they would die if they met in public. And I am so thankful for the local church. What, what those who are unchurched don't realize, and I am afraid people like myself that grew up in church forget, is were it not for the local church, where would communities be? Amen. We've been talking about the bride. That would be the church. And I'll read the passage where God spoke to me to preach on the church. Are you in 2 Corinthians 11? You've got to say amen. Right on. Go with me to verse 1, please. Let's read 1 through 6. I hope you will put up a little more with my foolishness. Please bear with me, for I am jealous for you with the jealousy of God himself. I get this. I promised you, church at Corinth, church in Kettering, living water, big church. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. I promised you as a pure bride to one husband, Christ. But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. Again, the twisting of God's word. Amen? That's what, that's what tripped up Eve. You happily put up with whatever anybody tells you, even if they preach a different Jesus. God help us than the one we preach, or a different kind of spirit than the one you received, or, or a different kind of gospel than the one you believed. But I don't consider myself inferior in any way to these quote-unquote super apostles who teach such things. I may be unskilled as a speaker, but I'm not lacking in knowledge. We have made this clear to you in every possible way. I promised you as a pure bride to your one husband, Jesus Christ. Week one, we asked the question, is the church necessary? We answered that with a resounding yes and supported that with scripture. Week two, we asked, who's calling the shots? Are we making the decisions? Is God making the decisions? Are we led by the Spirit? Who's, who's calling the shots? And I challenged us all to look at our own lives. Who's calling the shots in our personal lives? That usually will determine who's calling the, church, calling the shots in the local church. In week three, I asked, what are the characteristics of a Holy Spirit-controlled church? And we listed those. And I was convicted and then last week, we turned a corner and I began to speak to an important element of the church, capital C, and a very important element to the local church, and that is church leadership. And I want to continue that thought today. So I again ask the question, do we need appointed leaders? I asked that last week. I'll ask it again. Do we need appointed leaders? The sequel. 
Paul wrote to a young minister by the name of Titus. And I ask you to pull out your worship guide and take notes. If God speaks to you, it's worth writing down. Amen? Um, if you're like me, you may forget. So write it down if God speaks to you. He was writing to an young minister, and he, he commissioned Titus to do a pretty big task, a very important work. He, he commissioned Titus to do this. In verse 5 of Titus 1, he said, For this reason, I left you in Crete. Pause. Crete was absolutely upside down. It, it, they were out of control. If you study history, Crete was... They were a mess, man. I mean, they were, they just lived a, they were pagans from the word go. Um, although there were, Paul had planted church throughout Crete, they had lost their way and there was just no leadership. They were spiritually running amok. So for this reason, Paul said, I left you in Crete that you should set in order the things that are lacking and appoint elders in every city as I command you. The King James Version where it says, I command you, says, as I have appointed you. So clearly, the question, do we need church leaders? The answer is a resounding yes. We need church leaders. And last week, we tried to unpack what some call the qualifications, if you will. It's a measuring stick. And I encourage you to go back and listen to last week's message where we had the privilege and the honor to ordain Chancy Persons into the ministry. Amen. A man of God who does more behind the scenes than I'll ever do. And it was an honor and a blessing to ordain him. And, it's, and, and listen, or, ordination is not something we invented. This, this ain't Jeff's idea, by the way. I, did, I know everything's an experiment here, but, but I didn't invent sending out. I didn't invent ordaining. I didn't invent the laying on of hands. I, that, 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 that's not, and, and I don't do it as a denomination instructs. Amen. We talked about that last week, how it's more than a popularity contest, folks. I get unnerved when elders, deacons, leaders, etc., etc., are voted in. I, I, I need to move on. So we're going to gather around today and lay hands on and set apart, if you will, for other men. And I couldn't be more happy about it, more excited um, on a bunch of different levels. But it's scriptural and we are encouraged in scripture to not move too quickly when it comes to setting apart, to, to not rush into ordaining or, or sending out folks to do gospel ministry. We are instructed to be very, very careful, in fact. 
But once someone has had a calling on their life and identified as followers of Christ that are doing their level best to pursue holiness, and, and as we went through the list of quote-unquote qualifications last week, those should go for every Christ follower in this room. And, 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 and it's, it's, it's not putting people on a pedestal. It's all of us getting pointed in the right direction and having some measurable objectives, if you will, scripturally speaking, not based on what I say or what your spouse or your parents said. It's based on what this book says. Because the final say is this word, amen. Amen. And so I'm so excited today to get to do that. Another gentleman, that, a young man that Paul was able to send out and, uh, and bless and take under his spiritual wing, if you will, was the man named Timothy and the leaders of the church laid hands on him as well in chapter 4 of his first letter to Timothy. In verse 14, it says, Do not neglect the spiritual gift you received through the prophecy spoken over you when the elders of the church laid their hands on you. He, he kept encouraging Timothy, man, don't, don't, don't let him tell you that you're not qualified. Don't let him tell you you're too young. You need to take hold of the spiritual authority that you have. And I'm telling every Christ follower, don't let anybody tell you you can't. Don't let anybody tell you that you've got to have a piece of paper to minister. And every Christ follower in this room, we all should be trying to make our goal the, the things that made Timothy and Titus and Stephen in the Scriptures stand out above the rest. Are you with me? Because, listen, listen, it, it, they, they weren't special and called of God because of the laying on of hands. No, they, they had the laying on of hands because they lived the life that was described in the Scriptures. So, we meet here again. We will publicly acknowledge our confidence in four men that I have done life with and watched their life. And they're not perfect, but they love Jesus. And they clearly meet the qualifications. I'm excited today. To be able to ordain Robert Bollinger, who was again with Living Water from day one. He's never faltered. He has put me in check more times than my daddy ever did. So I'm not doing this to try to get him to stay. I couldn't run him off if I wanted to. Because he believes in the vision of living water. I also have the honor to ordain my son-in-laws, Ryan Voorhees and Trey Wright. And if you have an issue with the fact that I'm ordaining my son-in-laws 
that's, man, I'm, in the best way I can say it, in the love of Jesus, you're going, you're going to need to get over that. Because, I don't mean that in a, I sound, I sound like a punk, didn't I, Jeff? I did. I did a little bit. I didn't mean that like that sounded. I'm just saying, we're doing it. But listen, listen, this is their church. I am their pastor. I've watched their lives. I've seen the darkest side of it, and I've seen what they've overcome. And it's an honor to get to introduce to you and to ordain Brian McKibben. Brian, stand up. Stand up. This man right here, he too got, got lost in his way in the faith and moved away all the way to Georgia. He's going to get his heart right. And he's going to come back. And he's... But he has, he has told me over and over again, that this, this has always been his home church, is what he said, coming home. You know, we've probably known, how long have we known you guys? Probably. Oh, I thought you were only 32. <laughs> you taking notes? Nope. Brian McKibben is probably the boldest witness for Jesus Christ that I have ever met in my life. I make no apologies for that statement. He loves people the way I want to love people. And today, he's getting sent out an ordained minister of Jesus Christ. And I'm honored to do it, Bob. Thanks for being here. So let's talk about it for a minute. So I'm going to be talking to these four men, but as I said, this is the way I believe Christ's followers should desire to live. God, we bless the reading of your word, and we ask you, Lord Jesus, prepare our heart for this message. I ask you, God, that you would be with us, Lord, that you would just send the Spirit of the living God to rest upon each individual. God, I pray that, that any, any disparaging agendas or motives or spirits, you're not welcome here. In the name of Jesus, we lift up the Son of God and we declare that He is the Christ, the Messiah, my big brother spiritually, the King of kings and Lord of lords. The name above every name. Church, would you say his name? Jesus. Say it again. Jesus. Jesus. Come on, one more time. Jesus. Man, there's power in that name. Give him praise. God, thank you, Jesus. Yeah, thank you, Jesus. By the way, I really dug that last song, guys. That was a great song. So like I said, last week we talked about qualifications. <clears throat> Read Titus 1, 6 through 9. You can, you can get a feel for that. But I want to share some aspects of ministry to you that it's the, it's the proverbial when the rubber hits the road, all right? Because you have to trust me that I know that these men, and you know it too, I, I don't they, they, you do life with them as much as I do. You, 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 you've got to trust that we know that we've observed in their life and the Spirit bears witness that they have met those qualifications, but now we need to talk about what it means 
to actually walk in and live a life of ministry. It doesn't mean you have to be on staff at a church. It doesn't. It doesn't mean that you have to have six years of seminary, although that's not a bad thing. But, but that piece of paper doesn't, it, it just shows you got some killer discipline, man. But there are aspects to ministry that Paul describes to Timothy where it's, Paul is about to wrap up his life. Now think about this. Paul could say anything to Timothy he wanted to say, and Timothy would receive it. He had earned that right in Timothy's life. He, he earned the right to say what needed to be said, whether it be harsh or whether it be encouraging or uplifting, Paul had earned the right with his life to speak into Timothy. And as he's rounding third and heading for home, as it were, this is what he decides is the most important thing to say to this young preacher. 2 Timothy chapter 4, let's read verses 1 through 5. Your Bible says this, I solemnly urge you, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus, who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Can we stop and say amen? amen. Verse 2, preach the word of God. Be prepared, whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct, rebuke, and encourage your people with good teaching. What time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. God help us. FYI. We're seeing it. We have arrived. Mm. The time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They will follow their own desires. And look for teachers who will tell them whatever they're itching ears want to hear. They will reject the truth and chase after myths. God help us see it. But you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news and fully carry out the ministry God has given you. Coming a time when people will want to seek out those who will tell them what they want to hear. Let, let, me, let me real quickly break that down. It, what Paul is trying to let Timothy know is that in a nutshell, what will happen is people will want to find someone that agrees with them that will agree with what they think, whether it's in that book or not. They will find, and that's the itching of the ears. The itching of the ears is, I, I don't, what's the opposite of the itching is the pain. I don't like what I'm hearing, so I'm going to find someone that's going to say what I feel is right. That's what he's saying. And I suggest, not just to these men, to every Christ follower in this room, 
Don't be tricked by that. Don't fall into that trap. Listen, if you go to a church, if you're listening by podcast or in this room and you're a guest, if you go to a place that's preaching the word of God untwisted and preached as it's written for men and women as they are, you need to support that church. And we need more of them. Amen. Amen. So let's look at what we see in these scriptures as it pertains to ministry. If you're taking notes, number one, we see that Paul gave Timothy a mandate. Paul gave Timothy a mandate. A mandate is an order. I'll remind you of the verses. 2 Timothy 4, 1 in the first part of verse 2, I solemnly urge you in the presence of God and Christ Jesus who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Verse 2, preach the word. Preach the word of God. Preach the word of God. What does Jeff look for when he's looking for people to lead with him? I'll tell you what I look for. I, and I was honored when I was able to ordain Marty before he, again, ran away from home. You, I look for people that aren't afraid to open this book and preach this book. And listen, you don't have to be a preacher to preach this book. See, this is important for us to understand. You don't have to have reverend in front of your name, but you have to be willing. We are commanded to preach this book. A minister must be a man of the word. Verse 2 said, preach the word of God. To preach just means to herald, to proclaim. In other words, you and I, whether we hold a position or not, we are commanded to proclaim the word. Listen to me. We need to stop giving our opinion on stuff that doesn't matter. I'm just, I, mean, I mean, let's be honest about it. Listen, and, and, and the day we use this book as a weapon is the day we're unqualified to preach it. But we're commanded with a mandate to herald and proclaim this word. And you can use whatever method or style you want. I couldn't care less as long as it's the word. Amen. To herald, to proclaim. It refers to someone that is a messenger for a king. <laughs> a, a, a messenger for the king wants to sound out and proclaim what the king desires to the king's kingdom. And what Paul is telling Timothy is look, 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 it's about to get weird where you've got your church planted. You're going to have people wanting in and wanting out. They're going to bring crap in and they're going to take stuff with them. Are you with me? And what you got to do, Timothy, you got to stand. And you got to preach the word. You need to proclaim, Timothy, what Jesus said. You've got a message from the king and that's what you should say. The messenger must be able to sound out the king's message with a loud and clear voice in a way that the folks in the king's kingdom can understand. Are you following me so far? 
Because it does no one any good to try to impress someone with words that no one knows what they mean. Let's stick to the word. Amen. That message is needed. Amen. The word is needed. The messenger was to be respected. The messenger was to be unhindered. Listen, if the king sent a messenger out with a word from the king and someone got in the way of that, that person died. We need to take very seriously the way we speak about and speak to those who are spreading this word. Because the ground gets real shaky when you start wagging your finger. Amen, preacher. That's good preaching. He's an ambassador. He's an ambassador with one. You, listen, you don't negotiate with the messenger. You don't, he comes with a message from the king. You don't negotiate with him. Well, I know that's what he said, but what I think he meant was. No, no. No, no, the message from the king is not up for your interpretation of the message. If, if, the, if the heralder, if you will, if the messenger is saying what the king said and it is exactly what the king said, it's not up for discussion. It is what it is. Amen. I love that he tells him, Preach the word. The word refers to the entire contents. Genesis to Revelation. My daddy said even the maps were inspired by God. (laughs) That was for you, Pops. They still laugh at it every time I say it. He laughed at his own joke, so you can do that too. The mandate was the minister, the messenger, must be one that proclaimed the word. Not a human philosophy, not not your version of psychology, not, not human wisdom, not human understanding. Are you tracking with me? But of the unexplainable truths of Jesus Christ. It's still a mystery, church. That a virgin could give birth. It's still a mystery, church. That a king would come to earth, put on an earth suit, and allow people to beat him beyond recognition. And then lay down while they drove spikes through his wrists and through his feet. And put him on a tree and dropped him in a hole until it broke bones in his body. And then... Two people that loved him put him across his shoulder and carried him off of that tree and put him in a hole in the side of a hill and they put a big rock in front of it and one day passed and two days passed but on the third day it rolled away and Jesus the king came alive and walked out. It's still a mystery but it's still the word. Don't vary off of the word. God help me. And by the way, that don't happen overnight. Gaining the courage to do that doesn't happen overnight. Listen, there's steps in your journey with your relationship with Christ. You got to know what you believe. 
You've got to know why you believe it. Amen? And it doesn't just happen if you listen to your favorite preacher on a podcast. It comes by being in this Word. Being in this Word. In in the same letter to Timothy, Paul said in verse 15 of chapter 2, be diligent to present yourself approved, approved, approved to God. Not man. To God, a worker who does not need to be ashamed He's rightly dividing the word of truth. Amen. That's how important Paul took this. In fact, his life, the minister's life is to be a lifetime of commitment to the study of his word. You can't proclaim. See, that, 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 that's, that's why people get off track and start looking for people that will agree with them. They've got away from the Word. They've got away from the Word. And, you know, I, I, don't, like, I don't like that, that sweatshirt. I don't like it. I mean, I do like it, but I'm just saying. <laughs> I, so I got to find... I know Michelle don't like it either. So I got to hook up with Michelle, and we got to have a conversation about your shirt. You're like, dude, quit clowning. I'm talking about the local church right now, and it needs to stop, and we need to get back to this word, dive into it, dig into it, and find the nuggets of truth. Are you with me? Listen, if you're out doing good more than you're in the word, you're missing the point of ministry. (laughs) If you're raising money for your favorite charitable organization more than you are buried in this word, you're missing the point of ministry. Because what will happen is that charity, that organization, that ministry will become your word. And that's what you'll talk about instead of the truth. Oh, God, are you with me? Secondly, secondly, not only does the minister have to be about the word, a minister has got to be ready. You got to be ready. You got to be ready. Verse 2 said, preach the word of God. Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. New King James says, be ready in season and out of season. Let me explain it. The word instant or the word prepared had the idea of being fully present and fully ready. Fully present and fully ready. Now, I'll tell you right now, those who are ministers and those who our lay ministers, listen to, listen to me. Don't take that and think you've got it figured out and you're ready. You will always feel like you're not ready. Until you stand before someone, either open this word or declare the word, and all of a sudden... There is a humility, but a confidence that comes over you, and you are able now to be ready to share the word, amen. Because listen, when it comes to ministry, there's going to be times when ministry is easy, and times when ministry is hard. 
There's going to be times when it's fun. There's going to be times where it feels like sheer drudgery. Are you with me? There's times, man, when you cannot wait to roll up your sleeves and get on it. There's going to be times when the thought of it makes you sick to your stomach. There's the second A, if you're not familiar with it, it's called authenticity. There's days I don't feel like preaching. And you're going to feel the same way. Hey, 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 folks, hey, hey, living water worshipers here, listen to me. There's days you're not going to feel like inviting people to church because you ain't decided yet if you're even going next Sunday. We've got to be ready. We've got to be ready. There's a reason it says in season and out of season because you're going to feel like it sometimes and sometimes you're not. There's going to be times when people are listening. Man, I love, I, I love preaching here because people are they're like a sponge. I've said it for 19 years. People are like a sponge. I love leading worship here. Living Water, we called it Living Water Worship Center in the beginning because that's everything we did was driven by worship. That's biblical. So there's times when you're, you're, you're going to want to share and people are going to want to hear and there's going to be times where you share what's on your heart with passion and conviction and it flows out of your mouth and falls to the ground. And not because you weren't ready, but because there's a rejective spirit. Are you with me? But regardless of how you feel or what's happening at any time, the minister has to be ready to step up and do what? Proclaim the word. I also believe that the mandate includes that the minister must understand the charge. You, you, you got you to you understand the weight of this. If you don't understand the weight of this, then you've never had this word weigh heavy on you. Because when you do, you'll understand the gravity of the message. There's a charge involved. If you've still got your finger on 2 Timothy chapter 4, look at the very first part of the first verse. I solemnly urge you, now look at this, look at this, in the presence of God and Christ Jesus. In other words, your audience is not those who show up. Your audience is Almighty God and the King of Kings. Amen. And you share their message at your workplace, at your school, wherever you are, to your neighbors, to your friends. I hope and pray you've got friends that aren't saved. Yeah. I really do. Timothy is reminded of the weight of this call because Paul tells him who's in the presence 
every time he declares this word. God and Christ Jesus. Man, that's powerful. And he's also reminded that one day the minister is going to give an account to the Lord for the ministry he has performed. We see that in the second part of verse 1. Who will someday judge the living and the dead when he comes to set up his kingdom. Paul also wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, If for we must all stand before Christ to be judged, we'll each receive whatever we deserve for the good or evil we've done in this earthly body. Hey, listen, church, understand the charge. Understand the purpose. Listen, if you understand the purpose and you keep that in front of you, it'll always keep you in the pocket, man. It will always keep you in step. It's when you forget the purpose, when you forget the charge, when, the, when it no longer feels weighty for you, you've, you've got to get back in line with the king. You have to. The minister or any other Christ follower, we're going to stand before Jesus Christ. We're not, listen, 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 listen. We're not going to stand before church leadership. We're not going to stand before a denominational board. We're just not. Listen, the state overseer is not sitting by Jesus when I show up. When I, are you with me? We don't give an, that's not who judges us. Come on, somebody. It's not who, who judges us is the one who created us, who bought us with a price, with his life. He has the right to judge us. And we will stand before Him for what we've said and done. More importantly, and into a deeper level, the motives in which we have said what we said and done what we done did. You're also not going to stand before whoever you're sitting next to. And because of these truths, we got to cut straight from the word. We got to let God control. I, I, I think of it like arrows. And I've, I've, I've prayed this prayer before publicly that God, I, I, I don't know. I don't know who needs this. I'm just shooting them out here. Universal sound for an arrow getting flinged. that thing called? That thing. You reach back, man, in, in your quiver, amen, and, and you, you, you want out. And I got to trust God that there's a receptive heart out there willing to receive. I, I, listen, again, you can't use this as a weapon. You, you, you can't preach having five people in your mind thinking, I'm, I'm about to call your name because I see you clipping your nails. You can't do that. No, 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 no. The mandate is clear. We've got to understand the charge. We're going to give an account. This ought to make everybody in this room approach sharing your story, evangelizing, sharing the gospel, approach it with a whole different attitude because of the weight of the charge. Almighty God and His Son Jesus are in your presence. 
Secondly, we see that there is a message involved. There's a message involved. See, the mandate will lead to the message. I'll, I'll remind you of the verse. The second part of verse 2 begins, Be prepared whether the time is favorable or not. Patiently correct. Rebuke and encourage your people with good teaching. For a time is coming when people will no longer listen to sound and wholesome teaching. They're going to follow their desires. Look for teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear and will reject the truth and chase after myths. There's a message, and the message must, first of all, convict. Here's the thing. I don't convict anybody. A good communicator, and I'm not saying that I'm a good communicator, but good communicators can make someone feel guilty. Yes. Your, our job, Christ followers, is not to make people feel guilty. No. Our, our job is to give the truth and pray that their heart is receptive for the convicting spirit of Jesus Christ. Yes. So, so your message must contain conviction. Paul said to patiently correct. Other translations say to reprove. I think he added the word patiently in there just for me. The word reprove is a word that refers to ministry that will bring about conviction. It will cause people to think. It will cause people to have a gut level honesty about where they are with Jesus Christ. Are you with me? It has in mind of preaching that, that corrects the errors of men's belief and their faith system. He said, say, say I, I, I'm, I'm not qualified to correct it. No, no, no. Let's go back to the first. You are if you preach this word. I'm not saying that you go and use it as a weapon and just throw verses at people like they're rocks. No, no, no. No, no. No, no. This word brings the conviction. And we've already discussed that this is what you're supposed to be talking about. We got to hold the bright light of the word up against the darkness of the world. Amen. That will convict and that is the message. But secondly, secondly, it's got to confront. It's got to confront. Now, see, unfortunately, that word's got a negative connotation to it. Because there's many that don't like confrontation. I'm not a big fan of confrontation. I won't run from confrontation. I don't like it, but if I stick to this, are you with me, Living Water? Yeah. Hey, listen, no, no matter what you do, no matter who you're talking to, I don't care what your position at the church is, or if you're just a volunteer serving, I don't care. If your message is this and always this, it will bring about confrontation. But now get this, you're not confronting the person. See, see, see other translations use the word rebuke. No, 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 no. write this down. If, while a reproof exposes the state of sin, a rebuke exposes the state of the sinner. There's a difference. And both must be addressed. That is why Paul said what he said. The, what you say when you preach the word, it must have a message of conviction. It must have a message of confrontation. Not with the person, but with the sin and the state of the sinner. Amen. 
Sin must be confronted or sinners will never be convicted. Are you with me? But also it should bring comfort. Your message better bring comfort. The message, my message, should bring just, just a sense of hope to people's life that feel hopeless. It should bring a sense of comfort because this word Jesus said, I got to go. Man, quit holding on to me. I got to go so that I can send the comforter, one that stands beside, ones that, one that goes along with. Your message must comfort. Oh, God. Encourage, our verses say. Exhort, other translations say. It means to call to one side when we go about our lives. Listen. We are hell's greatest nightmare, but we should be the greatest encouragement and comfort to the people that need to know him. Sometimes it's real easy when you're at this point in a message, I don't mean the point in my message, I mean the point when you are sharing your message, your story, your witness, whatever. It's easy sometimes to only do one thing and that is they're there. That's okay. Who's a good boy? That's okay. it's, it, it's, it, because that's easy. And that makes everybody feel good. Right? I'm not saying don't do that. But I'm saying your message must bring conviction. Yeah. It, 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 it has to. It, it, it can't not be confrontational because it's the word if there's sin involved. But it also must comfort. We got to help folks as they implement God's plan in their life. We have got to encourage and comfort them as they try to walk this out. If you've walked with Jesus for very long, you know it's not easy. But yet, and and you'll know what I'm talking about. Some people think they're doing people a favor. They get saved Sunday morning, and by 2 o'clock in the afternoon, we've already roped them in to teach in a class. Throw the brakes on that. Let's, Let's first... Teach them how to walk with Jesus. Let's let's teach them where to start. Man, listen, there are folks, you're going to think I'm making this up. I'm not. There are folks that have never, ever read a line out of this book. So encourage them. Encourage them. I always have people start with the book of John. Because it gives a picture of Jesus that the other gospels don't bring. John. Even though people can be frustrating, we must not become angry or exasperated with people because were there no people, there would be no ministry. And for the record, people will not embrace the truth all the time. We read the verse. Number three, even though all of this is true and we've been given a mandate and that mandate has to include a message 
there has to be a meaning to the message. There has to be a meaning. In other words, there has to be an end game, an end point that you're trying to get someone to. You with me? There has to be a takeaway, if you will. That's why I'm not a fan of, of, of the trickster mentality of trying to get people the gospel. You with me? Let me give you an example. This has happened to Kim and I more than once. We're walking through the green, which we like to frequent, and someone will come up and, and they'll be like, hey, can I ask you a couple questions? I love these. So I'm like, yeah. And the whole time Kim's like, but I can't. But I, so so the, the, I'm like, yeah. So um, what's, what, in the green, what's your favorite restaurant in the green? Oh, man, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I want to say Fleming's, but it, but it's noodles. So, so am I right though? But ain't that mac and cheese the bomb though? Anyway, what's your favorite restaurant? Uh, yeah, noodles favorite restaurant. That, that that's awesome. So, um, of of all the bands that we bring, what's your favorite band? Oh man, I really like Funky G. Man, I th- I, he tears it up. Man, he's got a great bass player, great drummer. He's a great singer. If you died right now, would you go to heaven? Wait, what? I remember that the last time that happened, and Kim, Kim, Kim will tell you, I was there. I'm like, bro, 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 young dude. Bro, bro, listen to me. Listen to me. That's A, never going to work. And, and you will turn more people away than you will ever get to answer that question. The gospel ministry is not a bait and switch mentality. That's why, that's why I've said from the beginning, anything that happens at Living Water better point to our mission statement, or guess what? It gets vetoed. Did you hear me? It, it, it's so important that we understand there is a meaning to what we do. Verse 5, but you should keep a clear mind in every situation. Do not be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Work at telling others the good news. (laughs) Carry out the ministry. Fully carry out the ministry God has given you. I love the way it reads in the New King James, but you will be watchful. I love that. You will be watchful in all things. Endure afflictions and do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. As I round third here, Ministry demands, not, not suggests. You, 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 listen, you, you, you four men, hear me. Living water, hear me. Ministry demands. This is not optional. It demands clarity. It demands. Your message must be understandable. Yes. There's got to be clarity to it. See, that's why I'm not put off that you might reach a demographic of people that I won't. And I'm confused why you're put off that I'll reach a demographic that you won't. I'm cool with it. Because I won't be able to clearly communicate to the demographic that you can. 
That's why I've encouraged us from the beginning. You be you, I'll be me. Let's get in line with Jesus and go win the world. I don't know what else we're here for. Said to keep a clear mind, to be watchful. I love this because in, in in the very simplest form, it just means to be alert. You walk through life with your natural and your spiritual eyes open. You walk through life with your natural and spiritual ears open. And if you, if you don't, you won't be in ministry very long. If you don't, you will lose the right to communicate to people about Jesus. So, Jeff, what should I watch for? I'm glad you asked. You need to watch for the wolves that want to destroy your flock. Hey, by the way, that doesn't just mean pastors, uh, assistant pastors, whatever, I don't, whatever the positions are in all the churches. It, it also means... The sheep. The sheep. The sheep. We've got to be watchful for the wolves. You're like, well, that's, that's the shepherd's job. No, no I, 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 I get that mentality. That's the problem in the local church today. We've not owned the responsibility of not being a member but being an owner. Watch after each other. Amen. Acts 20, beginning in verse 28. So guard yourself and God's people. Feed and shepherd God's flock, his church, purchased with his own blood, over which the Holy Spirit has appointed you as leaders. I know that false teachers like vicious wolves will come in among you after I leave, not sparing the flock. Even some men from your own group will rise up and distort the truth. God, I feel you. In order to draw a following, verse 31, watch out! There's an exclamation point there, so I had to say it like that. Watch out! Watch out! Watch out! Watch out! out. That's not an accident. Watch out. That's not an accidental phrase. Watch out. We love to watch in. Man, I'm saying this out of love, Jeff. Man, I, I heard Jeff Rose say something and I just, God just told me I had to come and tell you. No, he didn't. No. Have you talked to Jeff about it? Well, no, I, I, haven't talk, I ain't talked to Jeff about it until you do. La, 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 la. Because we've got to watch out for each other. Come on, church. Watch out. What should I watch out for? You've got to watch out for the wolves that want to destroy your flock. You've got to watch out for an enemy that wants to destroy your ministry. Your witness, your reputation, you got to watch out, you got to watch out. First Peter 5 says, stay alert, familiar verse, watch out for your great enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Many a men, many a women have failed to watch out and they've seen their ministries, their church, their families, their homes get taken over because they didn't watch. They want to destroy. The enemy wants to destroy your church. The enemy wants to destroy your ministry. But ministry doesn't just demand clarity. It demands endurance. It's not an option. I love to be around people that are all in. I get confused when people are in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out, in and out. 
This used to puzzle my father to no end. Yeah, me too. He, he would say, I mean, he would weep. I'd hear him pray in his bedroom, knelt beside his bed. And he would say, God, I don't understand people that are in one day and out the next. In, give me something I can tell them that'll just keep them going in the right direction. I mean, he would just lament out to God for those who would get in and out and in and out and in and out and in and out. Because he knows what that'll do. He knows what happens to lives that do not have a covering of their local church. Are you with me still? Don't be afraid of suffering for the Lord. Don't be afraid to endure afflictions. If you hear this incorrectly, it'll sound like I'm whining. I'm not. But, but you need to understand, everybody's not going to listen to you. Some people are going to be mean to you. Some people are going to talk about you when you turn around and you just gave them the truth and they, they acted like they received it, man, a whole kitten caboodle, as it were. And then as soon as you walk away, you got to have endurance. Listen, that hurts. I, I, I've cried till I've been out of tears over those kind of situations. But because of the power of the Spirit of the living God, I'm still here. And you're stuck with me. Serving God is not easy, but listen, you add that to the fact that God often uses hardship for training ground. And you have to endure. Thirdly, your message, the meaning of it, it must be a part of sharing. Sharing what? The gospel. Work at telling others the good news. New King James says, do the work of an evangelist. No matter what you know that God has called you to do. Hear me. Nothing trumps telling people about Jesus Christ. Nothing supersedes you sharing your story about how God has rescued you. Nothing, 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 nothing. Not what your church has accomplished, how many you run, how awesome your production is. Nothing takes the place of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And you've got to be willing to share it. Because no matter what you're called to do, I will... 100% guarantee you he first called you to spread the gospel. Yeah. Or he wouldn't have wasted his breath on his disciples when he told them to do the same. There also has to be stability. And as I close, he says, fully carry out the ministry God has given you. He says, fulfill the ministry. That, that word, it's, it's a no-brainer. Fulfill just means you're, 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 you're being in full measure of. In other words, don't leave nothing out. Don't leave anything out. You've got to have stability. At the end of the way, man, be sure you're, you bring in full measure. That, this attitude is reflected beautifully by Caleb in Joshua 14. The Bible said, 
He wholly, W-H-O-L-L-Y, followed the Lord his God. Yeah, there's no part-time Christian. It's just, it just doesn't work. It doesn't work if our goal is to see people saved. Amen? I want to encourage you. Let nothing or anyone hold you back. Go where, what I love about that word holy, it, it, it means it's a, it's a, it's a um, um, sailor's term, if you will. It means to catch every ounce of wind that is blowing with yourself. But you can go a little bit off this way and you won't catch the... Or you can go a little bit off this way and you'll end up going in circles. Holy, holy... Carry out the ministry God has given you. Catch, position yourself in a way that you can fully catch the wind of God. Amen. The, wherever the wind of the Spirit wants you to go, go. 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 If we do it right, we'll be able to say, like Paul, 2 Timothy 4, 6, and 8. As for me, as for me, my life has already been poured out as an offering to God. The time of my death is near, but I have bought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Amen. Praise God that a man who spent as much time in jail as out of jail was able to say, I kept my faith. Come hell or high water, I kept my faith. And now, Paul said, the prize awaits me. The crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give me on the day of his return. And that prize is not just for me, Paul said, but for all who eagerly look forward to his Pray with me. You may be here today, and maybe you're a guest, or you, you, you came upon an invitation of one of the men being recognized today. But I want you to understand if, if there was a time in your life where Jesus was the Lord of your life and you accepted his payment for your sin and his forgiveness, please know what we just talked about is also your assignment too. And if you're here today and in reading those verses, you, you, you weighed it out against the measure of your heart and your spirit, your behavior, your thought life, whatever, you measured it against it. 
You measured God's word against your life. And you've seen it was out of balance. I want you to hear me today. My focus is not on the recognition of these men. My focus is that everybody in this room leaves differently than they came in. And if you're here today, and you know there's distance between you and your creator, if you know there's a distance, there's a disconnect, there's a need for reconciliation, there's a need for whatever we talked about for you to get right in your life, don't leave here and miss the opportunity to take advantage of that. And so I ask you humbly and with sincerity if you're willing to just give God all of you and make him the Lord of your life and you consciously remove yourself off the throne and you place Jesus on it and you need his forgiveness and you need that restart, you need that shoring up of your salvation, would you just raise your hand so that I know how to pray? I'm not coming back at you. I got nobody watching, I promise. Would you just raise your hand just so I know how to pray? God bless you. Who else? Who else? Bless him, Lord. Who else? I'm just going to pray. That's all I'm going to do. Father, in the name of Jesus, I ask you, Lord, that God, reveal to us, search our heart, reveal to us anything that's unpleasing to you, be it an attitude, be it a motive. Just search our heart. Bring to the surface that which we need to get right. Oh, God, remind us of where we were. And how far you've brought us. And may we return to our first love. We love you, God. And if anything good has happened here today, it's because of you. In the powerful, unstoppable name of Jesus, we pray these things. Amen and amen. Gentlemen, if you and your wife or your families or whomever you want to bring would come up here, that would be awesome. Marty, I want you to come too, if you would, please. Go ahead.